Good afternoon. I'm Leslie Tolbert, Regents Professor in Neuroscience at the University of Arizona, and this is Arizona Science. Our guest today is Mary Steiner, Regents Professor of Anthropology. Mary studies human evolution and is exploring how changes in diet and lifestyle affected the social structure of our ancestors, going all the way back to the Pleistocene. Thanks for joining us, Mary. Glad to be here. Tell us about your findings regarding how human hunting behavior changed back way back during the Pleistocene. What are you looking for, and how, how far back in time can you go? Well, my work has taken me back to uh, the middle Pleistocene, cases as old as 400,000 years ago, and then looking at changes over a great time span that basically uh, goes all the way up to the beginning of the Holocene 10,000 years ago. And uh, there have been some very interesting transformations in the nature of human society, uh, and in particular, how uh, human relationships revolve around basic economic features or organizational features of uh, the, the cultures in which they lived. Um, I've been particularly interested in questions about human hunting, how people participate in that, and also, very importantly, how people go about supplementing the supply of meat when large game animals are in short supply. Uh, large game animals supply a tremendous amount of food, but it's kind of a boom or, or bust kind of situation. And you talk about how the shift from purely big game hunting to this broader diet also brought about a shift in the societal structure. We know now that uh, early peoples, uh, at least by half a million years ago, were very accomplished big game hunters. The technologies they used were relatively simple, that is, uh, wooden spears, sometimes stones affixed to the ends of spears, but hand-held instruments that also exposed them to considerable danger. Nonetheless, they were very good at this sort of thing. According to the record of animal bones in archaeological sites, I'm a zoo archaeologist, by the way, uh, we can determine that more than 95 to 99 percent of all of the animal biomass these early people were eating was coming from large hoofed animals. They did supplement their diets with small animals in these early periods, but only to the extent that the small animals were easy to catch. Slow-moving tortoises, lizards, eggs, things like that. Amazingly, in these early periods, they essentially ignored quick small animals, such as ground birds, hares, rabbits, and so on. And that's a little surprising in light of how people, foraging peoples, that is hunters and gatherers, feed themselves today. So why do you suppose that was? And also, could you, could you touch on division of labor in the community in that case that you described? I think in these early societies, everyone knows the value of each other, and they know how what a great loss it is to lose someone in a small group, not only for social reasons, but economic reasons. However, uh, by having expertise in a wider range of foraging endeavors, 
which take you to different places in order to get those foods. It also gives each individual a little bit more autonomy in some sense. Of course, they all continue to depend on each other. It's a collaborative economy. However, individuals um, have more say in the contributions they specifically make and also tactically in the decisions they make about how they will contribute. So it sounds like these are really important steps in the creation of what we would think of as societies. Right. And uh, I, in, in this work on the division of labor, I've been collaborating with my colleague Steve Kuhn from Anthropology. And what we've been able to show is that, or at least to surmise from the archaeological evidence, is that with the diversification in the meat diet, we don't know about the plants, but the diversification of the meat diet the very fabric of human society is is changing and the participation of people of different genders, different age groups, and so on, becomes not only more diverse, but people have more say and more autonomy in how they will collaborate in that hunter-gatherer system. And this ultimately becomes the pattern that defines all hunter-gatherers in the later Pleistocene and into the Holocene. Listen to this and all Arizona Science Conversations at azpm.org slash Arizona Science. I'm Leslie Tolbert.